can't really sing. <laughs> yeah. La 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 You're listening to the NBA Outsiders, hosted by Peter Kennedy, John Lucas, Duffy, Frank Villani, and Justin Babb. We are here to talk some ball. But first, this is also a sports blog New York podcast. And in New York, we had some sporting news that swept the whole nation. And I know it was a big deal here in New York. And that is that Eli Manning is going to be benched as the Giants quarterback after 210 consecutive starts, the second most of all time in the NFL. So the NBA Outsiders are going to step out of their comfort zone for just a few minutes to shed some light on Eli Manning's benching for none other than Geno Smith. So this is the NBA Outsiders. I'm here with Duff, Bab, Frank, and I'm Pete. We're going to talk about this. But Frank, you're my fellow Giants fan here, so I'm going to go to you first. How did you find out about this? Walk me through your reaction and just give me some thoughts on your team and your quarterback and this very bizarre and sad situation. Yeah, man. So I was sitting in class this afternoon and I was scrolling through Instagram, you know, shouts me being a great student. And uh, I saw the video on House of Highlights and I read the caption. It's just like, Eli's not going to be starting. And he like I, I couldn't play the sound because I was in class. But like you didn't even need the sound to see that this man was fighting back tears like. Just a sad moment for, you know, him and Giants fans alike. Uh, I feel like they went about it in a terrible fashion. Uh, Ben McAdoo's a bum. He should be the one in question, not Eli Manning, who's, you know, won two Super Bowls as a Giant. And I just saw this cool little fact, though. Since he came in the league in 2004, the Giants have had one starter, obviously, just him. But the Cowboys have had 12. The Eagles have had 12, or sorry, I don't know if I'm getting the teams right, but in the, in the NFC East alone, the uh, yeah, the Eagles had 12 starters since 2004, the Cowboys had 12 starters since 2004, and the Redskins had 10. So, you know, he's like a model of consistency. He's a consummate professional, and it's just sad to see how the New York sports organization is going about this. I never thought I'd see something like this from the Giants. Usually they're pretty good about that stuff, but... Not this time. Yeah, man. And I, I think that what you just hit on might be what's upsetting people the most. It's the way they went about it. So whether you're in the camp that you believe Eli has something left in the tank, whether you are in the camp that he still has a chance to be the starter next season, or whether you believe that he's trash and he's done or he was never that good, no matter what you feel about Eli Manning, the quarterback, I think what I'm seeing across the board is the lack of disrespect is really pissing people off. And this is this is not just upsetting people. Like this is really pissing people off. Like I was on Twitter, my feed was ugly today. I'm listening to Michael K. He's flip, flipping out. I heard Mike Francesa had legendary rants. I actually did not get to listen to it yet. I, I, I mean this is really rubbing New York sports fans the wrong way. But one thing the outsiders love to do is to get a little outside perspective. Isn't that right, Justin Babb? So Justin Babb, my friend, you are a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Now, I know you have some thoughts on this uh, as well, but if you could also just shed some light on kind of, you know, what your friends and followers may have thought about the situation as a whole. Yeah, I've seen, for the most part, you know, what you guys are saying. People are 
they're not happy. They're kind of disappointed. People, even outside of New York, you know, Philly fans, know what Eli's done for that franchise. And, you know, there are I've, – I've had some people, I've seen on the timeline, you know, make make jokes, you know, crack up that Geno Smith's now going to be starting over Eli. But uh, me personally, I can't help but feel bad for the guy, you know, after watching that press conference and knowing everything he's done for them. Um, it just doesn't seem right how they kind of – they're just cutting it off with him. And it just seems like they're choosing – maybe McAdoo over him at this point in the season. And it, it just, it, it feels, it feels weird. And it, it's, it's a, it's a sad day for uh, the football world, I guess, and sporting as a whole. So would you say kind of just in general that even your, you know, your Eagles fan friends were kind of shook up by this a little bit in shock. And I don't want to say they were specifically sad because honestly, you guys probably don't care about the Giants future, obviously. But would you say that in general, even the Eagles fans, you know, were kind of shook up by this? Yeah, absolutely. No sadness, but it was like p- people could recognize, you know, that it was weird and 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 not right because, you know, we've seen what Eli's done for them closely, you know, in the same division and whatnot. And yeah, it, people, they just, it, they feel like it's not right. It's weird. It definitely is. Absolutely. And, you know, the the lack of disrespect is definitely the number one. Because, you know, when I first saw it, it definitely took me by surprise. So I click on the story, and I read the first paragraph. It says that Gino's going to start. Davis Webb will also get a chance to play before the season's over. Uh, and then it also spoke about how Eli Manning basically turned down the opportunity to continue to start for the first half. Uh, just to continue the streak, to continue to play, to be the leader of the team. He turned down that opportunity because he didn't think it really shed a good light on the record that he holds, the 210 consecutive games. He thought he'd be jipping himself, jipping the record, jipping the stat, if he was just going to get thrown out there basically as a sideshow to get the first couple of series, get the first half, and then sit down. And he basically said, if I'm not going out there to try to win, and, and continue to play an entire game at a time, there's no point of me going out there. And I think when he says that, Giants fans even more get to his back and say, this guy has literally given everything to us. He almost has given too much because uh, that, that's almost too giving of a mentality there from Eli Manning. But it's why we love him and it's why people are so upset. Now, now Duff, football isn't your favorite sport by any means, but you grew up in North Jersey you actually worked for MetLife Stadium for a while, uh, a couple of years back. Can you shed some light on this? Now tell us how you really feel, Duff. Yo, what was that? Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. They're playing some Call of Duty in the room next to me. I'll text them. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, no worries. Uh, but out, that's, can't I can't think of a better way to sum up how Giants fans are feeling right now. But... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I saw the video, same one Frank's talking about, and... It was sad. It was sad to see that because the one, you know, you talking about the consistency of it. He was just a staple. He was always there. And what's the saying? Like, if you're if your quarterback's playing, you always got a chance to win. And he, Giants fans always felt like they had a chance to win every game. I feel like since as far back as I can remember, because they had their starting quarterback at the helm, and they felt comfortable with Eli. At least, definitely for the past te- decade since he's won the Super Bowl. His first Super Bowl, and it's it's sad to see him go out this way. I wish he would start another game, just so the fans could have the opportunity to show their appreciation for him in the stadium. You know, like 
give him an ovation as he's going out there for his first series and or whatever or when he's getting you know in basketball they'll do it like when they get subbed out or something so yeah even when we're talking about football i talk about basketball um <laughs> But it's it's sad. But I think this is a good spin zone for him as far as his whole career, how it's going to be viewed. Is he's he's going to get a lot of sympathy for this, and people are definitely going to forget about all that fake merchandise he was selling. Oh, stop it with the fake merchandise! Are you kidding me? Did you really just bring up the fake merch? <laughs> people now, people will forever forget that the way people always forget the Peyton Manning tea bag, some trainer when he was at Tennessee. <laughs> people already <laughs> forgot about Eli Manning selling fake merch. No one cared ever about any of that. Did Eli Manning orchestrate this so people would forget that? <laughs> yeah. This is 100%. This is PR 101 at its finest. If Eli Manning did that, that would be the I don't know if that would be the most legendary move or the saddest move of all time. It can be both. That's that's a fair point. That's a very fair point, but to to a serious note before we get back to our regular NBA outsiders business, we got a lot of stuff to talk about in the world of the NBA. I mean, it just felt right that we had a Shed some thought. This is the Sports Blog New York podcast, so we had to come out here and give some thought. Um, I'm not going to come in, come in here and start screaming like Francesa and Michael K were all day, but this is something that is upsetting, and I know, I know Giants fans are going to continue to be pissed. I can only imagine their next home game, uh, the kind of boos or that are going to come out of that stadium if people even show up. Um, but let me let me say this, and, I, and you talked about the spin zone before. I'm going to throw a little spin zone out here, too, and I almost hate to say it because when I first saw some of these takes on Twitter, they were really bothering me because I, I just I read the story and I said, clearly, half of these people didn't take the time to even peek at the story, right? So people are complaining, well, why is it going to be Gino? It should be Davis Webb. Well, if you clicked on the story in the, the second paragraph, like 100 words in, it said Davis Webb's going to play, too. And then people are saying, oh, well, Eli should have... Um, why is Eli okay with this? And then in the third or fourth paragraph, Eli explains exactly why he decided to be, you know, quote-unquote, okay with this. So it was pissing me off that people weren't even going to give an inch of effort to click on the story. And then I started thinking about it. You know, everyone's coming to Eli's defense right now, and everyone has this sympathy for Eli. Hasn't there been years past, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, where people were calling for Eli's job, like in general, where people were saying this guy's a little like he's kind of shot, he's done, he doesn't have the athleticism anymore, he can't take a hit. Weren't people kind of calling for his job at a few different points in his career? Is that is that fair to say? I mean, I guess so, but at the same time, like, yeah, he's had down years, but like, he still has won two Super Bowls, and at the end of the day, like. He's been with this organization for so long, and like you said earlier, he's got the second longest consecutive game started streak. Like, it's it's more than just about the play on the field right now, especially for a team that's two and eight. It's just it's it's about more than that. Yeah. And people, they, Francesca talks about it all the time on the fan, or he used to when people like you're talking about would call for his job or say he was bad or whatever, and. Just say people. People said the same thing about Phil Sims and Parcells said it best. You know, when Phil's gone, people are really going to appreciate. They're not going to really appreciate him until he's gone. Like people won't realize what he did for the franchise until he's actually gone. And you look at so many teams around the league now that just have terrible quarterbacks starting for them or not serviceable quarterbacks that you think, oh, they're going to make the playoffs, but they're not going to do anything because they have 
Blake Bortles or Tom Savage or Drew Stanton or Case Keenum or any of those guys. Wow, flexing your football muscles right now, Duff. I love it. I just, it's, people don't know, I haven't watched a full football game in like two years at least, and I just, it still just consumes. It's by osmosis. I just learned this stuff. Uh, speaking of those guys, by the way, that you just mentioned, I saw a great tweet before from our guy. His name is Joe Staubach. He's been on the pod a bunch of times. He wrote, starting QBs for Week 13 in the NFL. Ready for this? Geno Smith, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Brett Hundley, Jacoby Brissett, Trevor Simeon, Matt Moore, Josh McCown, Tom Savage, Blaine Gabbert, Mitch Trubisky, and Deshaun Kaiser. Shocking. Ugh. Shocking that Shocking. the ratings are down. Ugh. Colin Kaepernick still can't get a job? That's what I'm saying, my man. That is what I'm saying. Well, to end this off, because this is the NBA Outsiders podcast, as well as the Sports Blog New York podcast, it's a sad day. It's a weird day. I I did want to make sure I reminded that fact that, you know, Eli hasn't been all praise his whole career. He's been fantastic. I have actually been the type of person who always defended the Eli hate. Like, people who hated on Eli throughout uh, his tenure with the Giants, I would always say, but... He does this well, he does that well, he, he's good late in games, he's in control, yada, 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 yada. And then today came around, and people are just jumping, you know, giving him all the praise, giving him all the defense in the world. And I'm trying to look at these people and say, there's got to be some hypocrites in the crowd here. Not everybody loved this man. Not everybody wanted him to be the quarterback for the Giants for the past six years, maybe. Uh, so it's kind of a weird situation. Well, it is a very weird situation. And I think Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese are in desperation mode. And that's what it comes down to. Both of those guys, Jerry Reese and Ben McAdoo, scared they're losing their job. And what do they do when they're scared to lose their job? They take out the piece that has been the most consistent over the years to try to throw in any sort of spark to, to make it look like they are competent at their jobs. And... Maybe when they're not here next year, when Reese is fired and we got a new head coach, we're going to look back and say, how in the world did, Mar- did, the, did John Mara allow those two to pull out Eli Manning from the starting lineup? And now they're not even the coach and GM anymore. And that would be the icing on the cake to make this an absolutely horrible move. But in a world where Geno Smith or Davis Webb come out and look good, they actually play well, and maybe even lead them to wins, which would be horrible for the draft pick. Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese, this might have been their last chance at saving their job. Thoughts? Ben McAdoo shouldn't have another chance. That's my thought. I think benching Eli is just the nail in the coffin for all those guys, because everyone, it like realistically is Geno Smith actually going to provide a spark? No, he's fucking terrible at football. So (laughs) another question though. So like like, this is going to be just terrible. You disrespect Eli and then you make the team worse. And then people are just gonna be like, why the fuck are you assholes still here? They just ripped. Like I've seen reactions from current and former players on Twitter. And like, I feel like nobody is happy with them right now. Like they just angered so many people that something's going to have to change. You're also, we've been talking about this whole time, thinking outside of the locker room. How do you think that locker room feels? You really think they want to be going out there with Geno Smith instead of Eli Manning? Because I'm pretty sure that locker room is more behind Eli Manning than it is behind Ben McAdoo right now. 
I would so, I would put a lot of money on that one for sure. Uh, that's a really good. And point, McAdoo right? already lost the locker room like three weeks ago. That's what I'm saying. So like, I I just don't see a world where this either makes the team better or saves their job. This is just this is a man flailing on his way out. It's what it is. Yeah, and you know what? I just wanted to play a little devil's advocate. I don't assume. <laughs> I don't expect this uh, crazy move to actually bring any positives. In fact, uh, the only positive that could come out of this is they continue to lose, and then the new GM and new head coach draft a quarterback next year, right? Like, that can happen. So we have some time to, to think about this. Hopefully by the time this, this episode's out, people have calmed down because, like, the, the extreme fire was really getting to me. I couldn't handle it. I really couldn't handle it. It was, like, it was too much for me. When I saw Eli crying, man, well, he wasn't actually crying. You know what I mean? Holding back the tears if you will. That hurt me on the inside. It really hurt me on the inside. I wanted to give the man a hug. That's all I wanted to do. (laughs) It was tough. All right, well, I think it's that time. It's that time to switch to our bread and butter. I think we went... Yeah, you're you're about to lose me. I was about to hang up. (laughs) We got to move on. I thought you muted yourself a while ago. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Let's get to our bread and butter because this is the NBA Outsiders podcast. We got Pete, Bab, Frank, and Duff in the house here to talk some ball don't forget to follow us on Twitter, because if you follow Sportblog NYC, that's at Sportblog NYC, you may not follow us, and that's at NBA underscore Outsiders. NBA underscore Outsiders. Give us the follow. We tweet out some fun stuff. Maybe some stuff is pretty average, but some stuff's got to be pretty good, I think, right? So give us I a like follow. I like it, and I'm pretty cool, so, you know. Two plus two equals four. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> So give us the follow. We always update you when we got new episodes out, when we're going to you know, talk about some, some good stuff. So give us a follow. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. That's super important as well. In the rating and review, don't forget to shout out the NBA Outsiders so we know you're listening to us and you appreciate what we do. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. But I think it's time. we got to talk some ball. That was way too much football for NBA Outsiders liking. So let's get to this first topic we got, and that is going to be a pretty sad one as well. So we're going from... Um, a legend who got benched to a guy who was almost a legend started getting hurt, tried to come back, tried to come back, tried to come back, and now he might decide to leave. And that is Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose, Cleveland Cavaliers, he's taking a leave of absence and he's considering his future as maybe not coming back to play basketball. So Duff, I'll go to you first since that first topic wasn't for you. What is this Derrick Rose situation telling you right now? Uh, it's telling me what we should have known for a long time now is that Derrick Rose stopped playing basketball like six years ago. And this has been his corpse playing like that. This is like a point I was trying to make when we were debating about the Cavs talking about, you know, I didn't put a lot of faith in Derrick Rose cause like everyone has big names, but they're all over the hill. Like you look at Dwayne Wade and, and Derrick Rose was specifically who I was talking about, but even Jay Crowder, I said, was like past his best years, I bet. And I believe that to be true. I think Derrick Rose is just not what he was. You think about, you know, the, the player, he, he was so dominant and he was so quick. Like, if I ask you this, like, right now, completely healthy, sound mind, sound body, like, sound mind as sound of a body as he could have, who would you take, Derrick Rose or Kemba Walker? Campbell Walker is the like easy answer, and it's not close. Wait, hold on. But you hold think on, about hold on, hold on, hold on, what you said right now, like Derrick Rose being twenty-eight years old. Yeah, like right now, just he was healthy. 
like right now, but he wasn't thinking about leaving the NBA. If he was just playing every day, like the the best he could with the body that he has. Yeah, it's literally not even close, Kemba Walker. Yeah, it's it's literally not close, right? So then you think about okay, if uh, you think about what Derrick Rose was, and you take that Derrick Rose, you want him or do you want Kemba Walker? Youngest MVP ever, Derrick Rose. You want Derrick Rose, and it's not close, right? So it, he was like so much better than an all-star point guard in the East right now. And he was an MVP. And then you look at him now and it's like not even close. You wouldn't even think for a second about taking Derrick Rose over Kemba Walker. Like that's how far he's fallen and not saying that like Kemba Walker's a bad fan or, or a player or whatever, but he's an all-star caliber point guard that uh, do, do you understand the connection I'm trying to make here and just say like how far he's fallen? Like, I don't understand why people are taking, it's acting like this no. is such a big surprise or it's so terrible. He just hasn't I mean, been the same dude still, for so many years. Uh, yeah, now. but, like, you don't have to be, you know, one of the best players in the NBA ever to still – he still averaged over 17 points a game, possibly 18 points a game last year. And I know it wasn't crazy efficient, but, like, there's still something there. And he still has an exciting play style, like – I watched a lot of his games last year as a Nick, and although he didn't win and although he didn't look great, he still did some stuff that sometimes I was like, oh, my God, like, that was crazy. And, like, yeah, I understand that he'll never be the guy that he was, but that doesn't mean that his career has to be over. I mean, look well, at I don't, look I at don't Sean think- Livingston, right? Like, Sean Livingston was super hyped up coming into the league, and he has this catastrophic knee injury, and he kind of goes away for a little while. But – you know, how many years down the road it is now after that injury. And he's a legitimate NBA man, NBA player. He's a six man. He's cerebral. He's a vet. And I think that's something Derek Rose could, you know, still, still has to offer that to this game. So I, I just don't think, I think people's expectations of him are what really is, you know, no, I don't think narrative. I don't think anybody's disagreeing with you. I mean, the people like fans aren't the ones that are telling him like, you know, go retire, stop playing. It's like, it's him because it's, it's, it's in his head. You know, he is a viable NBA player, but his career is just always going to be what could have been, you know, he was the youngest MVP. Everybody knows in NBA history, you know, he, he was literally the brightest like young player in the league with so much potential. And, it just kind of all came down on him. And now he's a good, he could be, he could play in the NBA and be a good player, but that's, you know, that's what you can say about him. So I can see how it can be taking the toll on him mentally. And like, you know, if he wants to get out of basketball, just because maybe like it haunts him just thinking about what he was, you know, it's, I don't know. I see, I see where he's coming from, why he would be considering this, but I don't think it's like fans calling for him or saying he can't play in the league today. I think it's just mentally it's him. Yo, Bab, I think that's a fantastic point because I think it's hardly about what he can do on the court, and it might be about how much time that man has spent on a trainer's table. Like, I have have had in high school, like, when I played high school sports, I spent multiple winters at freaking physical therapy, and it was horrible, and I hated it. And I I basically stopped running track because I didn't want to rehab for it anymore. And that sounds like a lame excuse because track also kind of just sucked, but whatever. Like, this man has spent since, what, 2000, uh, was it 11? Is that the year in the playoffs he got hurt? Since That was. Whatever it was, 2010, 11, 12, that, those couple years. Since that year, 
that dude has probably spent countless hours on training tables, countless hours doing rehab, and not countless hours working on his game, and not countless hours being with teammates even. I mean, last year for the Knicks, he played, what, 62 or 66 games? I forget the exact number. That was one of his most you know, successful seasons in a while because he actually played 60-something games. Like that, mentally, when you know what you were, like you know you were an assassin, you know you were an MVP, a savage, you got to come back and be a role player, like a marginal role player, a guy who just gets made fun of for not being able to play defense or being able to shoot a freaking further than an elbow jump shot. I mean, it's got to be just the utmost of frustration for Derrick Rose. And I sincerely, like, I feel for him. If he's going to decide to walk away, I don't think that's specifically the right move, but it's a move I would wholeheartedly understand. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as sad as it would be, I, I totally agree. I could get where he would be coming from, you know, with that. But it's, it's. I mean, it's such a shame that he was uh, something special to watch when he won that uh, MVP. And he if, was he was the precursor to to Russell Westbrook in that class of athletic point guard. Yeah, Dennis Smith, really man. Was. When you watch Dennis Smith now, you can see. You can see old Derrick Rose with those vicious dunks, with those ridiculous like up and under, with the spin layups. Like, and Derrick Rose still did that last year. But what what I want to spin back to this year real quick. And one thing we're we're doing a little bit now is living in the past with Derrick Rose. So let's go back to the future, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Basically, since Derrick Rose got hurt, and I'm not saying this is a direct correlation here, but maybe just ironic, maybe a coincidence, whatever. Since he's been hurt, which is seven games. The Cavs are on a nine-game win streak, so maybe they won one or two with him. I think maybe he's missed eight games in a row now, Derrick Rose. They've been playing damn well, and they don't seem to be missing him too much. He was, he's just not good for today's NBA either, like mid-range jumpers and freaking just slashing towards the basket. Everyone knows what he's going to do, and everyone always knew what he was going to do, but the thing was he had the athleticism to do it. And like he 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 could, he could tell you like I'm gonna cross over left to right and then I'm just gonna blow by you and dunk it over your big man and you, you couldn't stop it still and now it's just not the same he's got to work that much harder I haven't seen that man dunk in way too long for real it's just freaking sad man well you know what if Derrick Rose were to you know call it call it a career I would only have one thing to say. Ah, what? My button's not working. I'm trying to play applause. <laughs> Damn, my bad, Derrick Rose. Yo, I, I have... got, I got you, fam. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. So, uh, if obviously no one listening to this podcast, the NBA Outsiders, just heard that, but I got this new little setup where I can play some sound effects and whatnot. I clicked the button and it didn't work. So I'm a little upset. I'm a little upset about that. It's okay. I was trying to give a little applause for Derrick Rose. I think if he decides to call it up, it's a decision that you know fans have to respect, basically, because clearly this man's been through a whole lot, uh, and what he's been through hasn't been on the court in the past six years. So it's been tough. been tough. Wish him the best. Hopefully he comes back, right? I think everyone's hoping he still plays. Is that fair? I do. Definitely. No one wants to see the man's give it up, except for maybe tough. <laughs> I just, it's... Uh, it's just not the same to watch him. Like I, shut up. I just think I just think everything has gotten to him. I just think he's done. I think people are tired of hearing about like what if he puts it together this year. It's like, dude, this is what I am now. 
I'm tired of your contrarian ass points. Frank, you gave him (laughs) that you gave him the comparison to Sean Livingston, but that like Sean Livingston, there's a difference between being like a highly touted high school player and then like blowing out your knee and stuff or something. And then going to be, he didn't blow his knee out until he was in the NBA though. And people were saying he was hurt. He got hurt before that too. It wasn't as gruesome, but then he got to the NBA and it was, yeah, but like people, I read some things anyway, like a young, anyway, Frank, shut up. My point being, like, <laughs> even if it's like his rookie year or whatever, where he gets hurt, he the man was the MVP. The man, like the 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 best player, he had the best season in the NBA for that year as a, like a 22 year old. So to fall so far from grace after that must have just been. I, I can't imagine the type of mental trauma that put on him. Yeah, that's tough, man. I I mean, we all wish him the best. Clearly, you know, what we think is best might be different for each of our individual outlooks on this, but let's wish Derrick Rose the best. But let's also keep this thing moving. You're listening to the NBA Outsiders, Bab Duff, Pete, and Frank in the house. Here talking ball, so let's keep this thing moving. And honestly, is this going to just be a sad episode from start to finish? Like, we're going from one... It feels sad. It feels sad. from 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 a possible Hall of Famer getting benched, to a guy who would have been a Hall of Famer who never got the chance to be, but was an MVP. Now to a guy who can't seem to play more than 60 games in a year. We're going to talk about the Los Angeles Clippers. And Blake Griffin is now out. It's going to be another couple weeks for him. Um, we also have, we already have Milos Teodosic out. Patrick Beverly's out for the season. And Daniel Garnari has been missing for the past three weeks already. The Clippers have lost maybe 11, 12 games. They're, they're struggling to beat anybody. They finally beat the Lakers last night. Man, are these Clippers just done? Did they go the wrong way, giving Blake the extension and keeping DeAndre? How, how soon until Doc Rivers is fired? Like, what the hell is going on here? I don't think they went the wrong way in signing Blake because he is absolutely a top 20 player, and he's certainly a max guy, but... They should have fired Doc, and I've been saying this since episode one. I'm pretty sure if that I've not, not been three. on the Doc tra- Doc train for a couple of years now, and I just don't like him. And I feel bad for Blake because the way I see this going is that they're just going to blow it up on him, and then he's going to be stuck there doing whatever, just getting numbers, I guess, for the next few years, and then just trying to. F- figure out what they're going to do with the franchise. But I just feel like they got ripped apart by the injury bug because everything we were saying leading up to this was like, if Gallinari stays healthy, if Blake can stay on the court, you know, if they can find consistent guard play with P-Bev, if Milos can add a spark, like literally all these guys we talked about, they're going to be big X factors for the team and all of them are hurt. So now it's up to Austin Rivers and that's not where you want to be. Now it's, you do not want your fate in the hands of the Rivers family. <laughs> yeah, nepotism is bad <laughs> in all walks of life, especially the NBA life. I mean, we gave Austin Rivers some shouts not too long ago. Oh, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. You you gave Austin Rivers some shouts. Yeah, there, okay. you, there you go. I mean, I okay. actually I also said he is a fine backup point guard, shooting guard. That's fair. But Frank, that's, yeah, he's that's, trash. That's he's basically trash. what I said, too. Trash. Uh, that's props for a player like him, but he's the one who hurt Blake. Nepotism just tearing the NBA apart right there. Taking one of the most entertaining players in the entire league out. Uh, I'm super upset. Uh, I generally agree with you, Duff, 
Uh, I'm not really the biggest Doc guy, but at the same time, I could see, I could see a situation where he maybe gets another season just because they are so injured and they actually did get off to a good start with Patrick Beverly. So, you know, I, I don't think that the team itself is, you know, total blow up mode. It really does suck that they're in such a, like a, a hurt period as, a, as a franchise, like we said before, just everybody going down. But, um, when the pieces were there, they looked all right. And he already stepped down from his role as like GM of this and that. So I think they're going to give him another year personally, okay. but I, I wouldn't care. Also for way. a quick correction before Bab jumps in, they have actually won three in a row. So they're eight and 11 right now and they've won three in a row. But yeah, you have they to had remember, a super yeah, but they game just against had... the Kings that Blake Griffin had to hit a buzzer beater on. Like these are teams that before the season we expected the Clippers to roll, and, and it, it just was, doesn't look like that. It took forty-two points from Lou Williams for them to beat the Lakers. So yeah. and now they don't have Blake, which also just going to bring this up again. Austin Rivers' fault because yep, he fell Austin on his fault. knee. So nepotism ruining everything, man. Whoa. I've been saying it for a little while now on this. On this specific podcast, but it's true. Before the three-game win streak, they lost 11 of 12. Ugh. Ouch. Babs, what do you got? I mean, I think just, I think they got to just blow it up. Like, Jordan's been in trade rumors now. Like, their best, like, opportunity to win was in years past, and that's gone. And now they're just getting injured. I don't think Rivers is coaching the team well. And I think Griffin's got to get out of there while he's still in his, uh, you know, his prime. And I think he could go to another team and be a force. Obviously, like we said, he's a top player, but it just feels like that team is kind of a nothing right now. And they, they just, they need to do something. And I think it would be good for all parties involved for them to kind of just completely start over from scratch right now. Yeah, they're they're almost going to be they're going well not almost they are going to be rough to watch now. I mean, before the season we talked about, I'm pretty sure I picked the over on their over under. I thought they'd be a playoff team, you know, and like Duff said, that was contingent on Danilo Gallinari and Patrick Beverly and Blake Griffin. But now, like let's let's try to think about this lineup. Are they going to be running out Austin Rivers, Darius Thornwell, Wesley Johnson? Who and, and and DeAndre Jordan like literally who I'm trying to think off the top of my head. But the best you you are a terrible NBA team if DeAndre Jordan is the best player on the court for you. And that's what they are now. Now DeAndre Jordan is their best player, and they will be awful. Thank God they have Lou Williams. I mean, my man's gonna have to drop 35 a night for them to even score 85 as a team. For real. Oh man, your boy Frank did. Yeah, Frank, did your boy get shot again up in Call of Duty? Nah, he's hyped up this time. Probably <laughs> play the game or something. You know, you know that rush when you get play the game for popping three fools. Everyone knows that rush. <laughs> I can't say I do, man. I'm a, I'm a Call of Duty rookie. I stick to 2K. I feel you, fam. I feel you. You know how it is. Well, I think that's enough on the Clippers. Let's keep this thing moving, man, because we want Doc Rivers to be fired. I think all of us agree on that one. Uh, Frank, you said he, you think he might he might end up hanging around for a little bit longer. I think that's a pretty fair idea. Well, someone who it's, I, it's when, not if, at this point. They've so there's still 60 games to go. You're gonna watch Austin Rivers or Doc Rivers coach a crap team for 60 more games. It's it's happening. He's gotta go. I agree, man. And you know what? 
Somebody who I did not think had to go. A little segue here. Just went. He just got got, actually. And that's David Fisdale, the coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, the guy who took that for data, the guy who wasn't trying to get rooked. He got rooked. David Fisdale, after a little bit of a losing streak when Mike Conley gets hurt, a little bit of a rough, a little, I don't know what to call it, a little bit of a spiff, I guess, with Mark Gasol where he wasn't pleased, and then boom, David Fisdale, bye-bye. What do you guys think about this firing for the Grizzlies? I think Marcus Saul is the new Dwight Howard. Whoa, Jesus! <laughs> wow, bold accusation. I wish my applause. Dude gets benched for one quarter and the coach is fired. He's he's more Dwight Howard than Dwight Howard ever was. I'm mean, gonna disagree. I said it. Do with it what you will. I, mean, but you I, don't, said it. I think everybody in the world listening right now, and when I say in the world, I don't mean like that's a lot of people. I just mean that our little amount of listeners are spread out across the world. Uh, everyone knows you're kidding right now because there's no way you're serious. Uh, I'm like half kidding, but what? also this is like so bizarre to me. It's just so weird. Did you get benched for one quarter and then all of a sudden he's calling for the coach's job? Like apparently they had beef over the summer too, but that's cold, man. No, nah, it's I've I've seen it creeping out. There's there's some uh, some stuff. Actually, the GM in a press conference. Uh, had to defend Gasol because there were some criticisms where people were labeling him as a coach killer. So, I, you know, I've seen it. It's not the craziest thing. Wow, so Duff, you weren't actually, you weren't completely kidding there. There are some other smart people in the world. I don't, other people have told me otherwise, but I believe that there are other smart people who think like me, yes. Wow. That's so a, not smart at all. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> in my opinion, this is... This is an organization overreacting to to a player they will do anything to keep saying something like because they gave him a ton of money. Yeah, and at the same time like I, I also saw Mike Conley kind of tweeted out like a little appreciation thing thanking David Fizzell for everything he did. Um I don't know if the team is going to feel right about this move either. I don't know if this is the right move going forward for the Grizzlies. I know personally that I thought David Fisdale was a pretty good coach. Uh, I thought he was doing a lot with, you know, not so much there. Uh, you know, they had their little rough spot this season, but it's still early. And they were missing their best player for a decent chunk of it. So I think it's tough to let him go so early. I definitely don't think he should be the one on the hot seat this early in the season. This one's this one's catching me by surprise. I mean, like, I kind of called the Earl Watson one very, you know, indirectly. I just mentioned, like, what about Earl Watson? Is he a good coach? And then he got fired, but like literally moments after, I think. Yeah, right. Like that was crazy, but like that one didn't surprise me really because I, you know, usually you hear something about a coach if he's good or something, but never heard anything about him. And that team was getting blown out by forty a night. It's not like the Grizzlies weren't competing or anything, but I mean, damn. Th- think about this. What what is the Grizzlies like tag? Right? What is their? What are they known for? Grind City, baby. Grit and grind, baby. Grit and grind, grind city, like all this stuff, right? And who was the heart of Grind City? It was Zach Randolph. It was Tony yep. Allen. And they're both gone. And Mike Conley's been hurt. And Marcus Saul's your best player. Like, I don't know what went down behind closed doors here, but I see on one hand, David Fisdale is working with what he has. I mean, my man's running out like one of the Harrison twins out on the court every night. He's running out like James Ennis and Jermichael Green's like his second best player. Tyreek Evans actually has been playing great. But 
he was been a monster, best contract in the NBA. But he's been crushing it off the bench, you know, giving Mike Conley a spell or playing next to him. Now you're gonna you're gonna put it on Tyreek Evans and Marcus Alt and expect to win games. Like there's something missing on both sides here. Like David Fisdale didn't have much to work with, and he did a good job, I thought, last year. And Marcus Hall's a damn stud, and you're gonna have to make him happy or keep him happy, I should say. So I think what happened is we just got reassured what the NBA is all about. Players. The NBA is all about players. James Harden's gotten coach fired. Uh, Kevin McHale. LeBron has gotten countless amounts of coaches fired. Melo, DeMarcus Cousins, all these you know, uh, high-profile stars have the power. They have the power to get their coach kicked out if they're not happy because these players are making a lot of money, and these owners and GMs know a coach is way more replaceable than an all-star. Agreed. 100%. It's always the first move because it's the easiest. I've said on this podcast before, players win and coaches lose, and that's just always how it's going to be because you can't overhaul a roster as quick as you can just fire one coach. Exactly. Remember remember that time that they fired Dave Blatt? You remember that? Mm-hmm. Or, didn't they have, like, the best record in the East? Yeah, and they went to the finals. They were in the finals like, the year and, before. And, and he, was, he was slated to be the, the coach of the All-Star team. And yeah. then they were like, yeah, well, the thing is, you're not an NBA coach no more. <laughs> so you're going to have to get up on out of here with that nonsense. Like, you don't got to leave. All- and forget about the All-Star game. <laughs> David Blatt, you don't got to leave, but you got to get the hell up on out of here. They sent his ass back to Russia so fucking bad. <laughs> that <laughs> shit was incredible. I'm sorry. But that's that's kind of what this reminds me of. Like, it's it's like you said, it's just teams going with star players and, you know, Take it how you want Frank, it. Frank, I, also, I don't though, think that's the right way to go about it. But can you can you blame hey. them though? Like put yourself put yourself in. I don't know. You're the owner of the Denver Nuggets, and you have Carmelo Anthony, and he's in year four. He's already made three All Star teams. He's like whatever, taking the team to the playoffs now. You're the owner of the Nuggets. All of a sudden, he's like, yo, yo, owner, George Carl, get get his ass out of here. You're gonna you're gonna sign with George Carl, or you're gonna sign with the guy you just drafted a couple years ago, who you're praying doesn't leave in free agency, who is literally the best player in your franchise's possible history. Like, who are you yeah, signing? I mean, with? I mean, I f- I feel your point, but at the same time, like, I feel like as a person, like, I I try to judge conflict that I'm not involved in from like an objective point of view, not a subjective point of view. So so I try to see who's right in the situation. And if I think the player's being a petty little bitch. Because he didn't play the whole fourth quarter, man up, man up. Sorry. All right. Man yeah, up. Fizz. Fizz seemed like the type of dude who would definitely be a player's coach. That's the thing that's so weird to me about this. But I see what you're saying, Pete. Like at a small franchise where you don't get a lot of free agents or pretty much any. In the case of a, something somewhere like Denver, or Memphis, you need to keep those stars happy because. They'll probably just up and leave to go to a better market. So what are you going to do? Like, they leave the, anyway. They leave Minnesota's anyway. Gonna, I'm telling you, Minnesota's going to have the same problem with Tibbs. Dude, look, look, at, look, at, look at Cleveland and LeBron. They did almost anything to appease that guy's first stint there, and he still left. There's no loyalty in the NBA anymore, especially not from the players. I don't think the players owe it to the franchises to be loyal. Yeah. No one's that's what's been making it. I would agree with that. That wasn't really what I was talking about. But no, I, I know. But I'm. But it comes into this argument because at the same time, if if he's going to leave regardless, 
Why are you going to oust somebody who potentially has a future well, with Marcus your organization? Marcus Salt was not the type of dude who was going to leave regardless. Yeah. He was so he I am pretty sure he's lived in Tennessee. I'm I'm not I'm not saying him specifically. This case this specific case is different. I'm just saying in general. Yes, in general. That's why I was saying I would agree with Pete. Well, yeah. you know, speaking of LeBron James, it's pretty funny that he gets brought up here in this situation. I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter, but LeBron took to Twitter because he kind of just feels the need to comment on whatever the hell he feels like commenting on at this point. So he tweeted after the news broke about David Fisdale, I need some answers. Feels like my man was a fall guy. And then he retweeted a guy by the name of Michael Lee, who's verified. I don't know who the hell he is, but he said, David Fisdale's firing was so stunning, I had to check, double-check, and triple-check Woj's Twitter account to make sure it was legit. I then made sure it was a legit blue check, went over to Woj's Twitter page and scrolled down because I didn't want to be duped by a fake account, and LeBron retweeted that. It's literally the most two recent tweets on his timeline still while we're recording this podcast. So LeBron just decides, like, oh, well, you know, Fizz is my guy. He was, like, an assistant in Miami or something like that, right, I believe? So he's like, Fizz is my guy. Why the hell did he get fired? This seems like some BS. I'm going to say it's BS, even though I have no fucking clue what's going on in Memphis. Um, but, hey, ready for this spin zone? If the Cavs, if the Cavs weren't on a nine-game win streak right now, Ty Lue's seat would be so hot, LeBron would be tweeting this, and we'd be all, yo, Fizdale, next coach of the Cavs. <laughs> Dude, Fizdale, I want Fizdale to Minnesota. I want okay. to start that campaign right You're now. You're kicking tips out already? Hell, dude, I kicked Tibbs out like a month ago. Fizdale to Milwaukee. Yo. Ooh, I, oh. I like him for both those cities, I'll be honest. Honestly, Ooh. I just liked Fizdale in general, man. I really loved what he did sticking up for his players in the playoffs last year with that little speech he gave, that legendary little speech, take that for data, you know, that yeah, whole he thing. He had some legendary sound clips from that, uh, saying when he was standing next to Kawhi Leonard and he couldn't tell if he was breathing. <laughs> And he didn't what know if he fuck? bleeds. Those are some great sound <laughs> clips, man. Dude, he just seems like the type of dude who has so much energy. He would really resonate with a young team, kind of like the, I think, kind of like the NBA version of like a Shaka Smart, who was just like is so intense and into it. And I you mean, it I mean? wasn't it wasn't just LeBron that was tweeting stuff. There was a lot oh, of people, Dwayne Wade, within well. the NBA. Dwayne Wade, Isaiah Thomas, uh, Hassan Whiteside. Like, there was a bunch of people tweeting, like, what is this? Like, you know, that wasn't their quote, but all of them were pretty stunned at it, and, you know, they all had something to say about it. So he, he did. He seemed like the kind of coach that players liked. Well, like, yeah, you're on a losing streak, but that team's roster has been so trash for so many years. They've just been peace. Like, what what was it, last year or two years ago they played? 28. Like, yeah, tw- 28 different starting lineups. And then Dave Yeager got the, got the boot, too. <laughs> that was like that's so ridiculous. Like th- this, it's not like the GM has been doing a great job of piecing a team together. Like Tyreek Evans has been such a godsend to that team; it's unbelievable. And you're thinking about they're playing Mario Chalmers, who's what didn't his Achilles explode? He literally doesn't. Mario Chalmers, <laughs> exact that guy, exactly my point. <laughs> Except worse so, than that guy. <laughs> te- yeah, for sure. Team Fizz. 100%. Yeah. Fuck Marcus Saul. Team Fizz, yeah. I, this seems that. like the podcast where we're going just we're just going all negative. We're going all out on the negative here. So we talked about Eli getting benched, which isn't NBA-related, but whatever. We got the Clippers being trash and being mad injured right now. We got the Fizdale firing. I think I missed this one, too. 
Yeah, Derek Rose. D-Rose's oh, yeah. funeral. The D-Rose actually just might walk away from the game. And now on to the next thing. The Oklahoma City Thunder have been struggling. And, like, they, they can't seem to get it together in fourth quarter specifically, which is a time you look at their roster and you say, oh, they got one, two, three closers on the team. Why can't they win in the fourth quarter? And now the next coach whose seat is going to warm up, get his butt all sweaty, is Billy Donovan. Yes. Right? I'm like, waiting Bill, for it. Billy Donovan's job it. is on the line, right? Like, am I crazy for saying that? No, I've been waiting for it. So, <laughs> um, we all know my views of Kevin Durant, but one of the reasons, you know, when he was doing his little fake Twitter thing, one of the reasons he said he left was he didn't believe in Billy Donovan. And, you know, over the course of his NBA coaching career, I don't believe in Billy Donovan either. He seems to just rely on star power alone. He doesn't have a great defense. He doesn't have a great offense. Like, he really just relies on, you know, how talented his players are. And uh, Scott Brooks was the same way, though. And Billy Donovan had a great motion offense at Florida, but he tweaked it because he had to cater to Russ and KD. Specifically well, Russ. Well, and then last year was just the Russ triple-double parade. Thank okay. God that's over. Again, I'm just going to keep going. Thanks for interrupting. Um, you got When you're a coach like that and you have a team like this, like it's about being a good team, not about relying on good players. Like At this point in his coaching career in the NBA, I, I'm not going to say he doesn't get it, but he's not able to implement it. Whatever the reason is, whether it's people don't listen to him or this, that, the other, he really hasn't put an effective team out there on that court, in my opinion. I yeah, I'm with Frank. Like I think they are. They're just relying on good players to have, or well, you know, great players to have great games when they want to win. Like they're they're not kind of a good cohesive team, and like we've seen them win games against good teams. They just actually, they beat the Warriors this past week by like 16, 15 points. But that was on the back of Russell Westbrook getting like 35, 10 and nine, something like that. So, I I mean, they seem like pretenders. They're kind of struggling right now. And I don't think the way the team is set up, I don't think they kind of make any noise or really challenge anybody in the playoffs, honestly. Well, you know what's actually weird? And I'm going to come inside the back door here and shock all you guys. I am not worried about this team at all. Like, I am... I'm not either. I'm actually so not worried. I am willing to say I'm confident. I'm, a, I'm the opposite of, not, of, of worried. I'm confident. And, and here's why. I was listening to my man, Zach Lowe. Zach Lowe is a pretty smart dude in the NBA. He's on ESPN. He has his podcast, whatever. And he's talking about the Thunder with Jeff Van Gundy one day. And I'm, I'm just listening, whatever, taking, taking my little uh, mental notes of what they're talking about. And he broke down how the Thunder, surprisingly are ranking as one of the better defensive teams in the league. The Thunder are playing sound defense. They're actually not giving up too many points all the time. It's been offensively that they've been a little bit more on the struggle bus, and specifically in fourth quarters where they just can't get over the hump. So when I hear that they're playing good defense, actually, before the season, I thought they were going to be trash on D, going to score with anybody, and they're going to compete kind of like the Rockets do because they're just so good on offense. It's been the opposite, and what I think that means, they haven't clicked yet. They haven't even come remotely close to figuring out the best way to play with each other. Russell Westbrook is 
like trying to piecemeal being a team player together. He's like, I can see it when he's playing that he's not trying to just do everything specifically himself. And he is trying to get people involved and play off the ball. He just doesn't know how to do it. And I think it'll come with time. And if their defense is even average, I trust that this offense gets figured out over a course of 82 games. And I have the utmost faith in this team, but I also think Billy Donovan should say, see you later. (laughs) Well, if they're not remotely close to figuring it, you know, figuring it out, like you said, when are they going to figure it out? We're a quarter of the way through the season right now. You got to figure it out at some point, you know, at this point. 75% is a long time, brother. Yeah, but at this point in the the season, you got to be closer than remotely, you know, not even remotely close. If the Utah Jazz are, have it more figured out than you at this point in the season and they lost like they lost their starting point guard and their only all-star player and they don't have their center. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like they, they're, I mean, it's only one game, but the fact that they're on the same level as that team is worrisome to me. No, but Duff, this is exactly why, man, we're talking about and Donovan and not trusting the system. It literally runs an offense where he can throw out anybody who can pass and shoot a basketball and they're going to, you know, be the same offense, basically. The only time the Jazz win are when one of their few guys, Rodney Hood, Donovan Mitchell, Alec Burks, or one of these, maybe Rubio or Joe Ingles, have a good shooting night or a good scoring night. But otherwise, they play the same every night. Like, they have a, a solid system and their defense is really strong, too. The OKC doesn't have that, that sound offensive system where they just fall back into it. Like these wow. these jazz players, man. You can they're playing the, the Nuggets as we speak right now. The Nuggets have a high powered offense where they can go on spurts of domination. But the Jazz just do what they're supposed to do. They make the right pass. They take the right shot, and they're sound. The Thunder aren't sound right now. Why yeah. why is Russell Westbrook getting a free pass in this? I don't oh, he, understand. I like, never. I, I don't. He's not getting Frank, a free pass. Stop. Please, I didn't you say stop. anything. All right. Beta. You both sound like you're from Staten Island. I can't tell the fucking difference between you guys half the time. Well, That's first of all, the reason he doesn't get any flack is because he just put together one of the most impressive NBA seasons anyone's ever had. He's the reigning MVP. Literally, the only point of that season was to get him six statistics. It wasn't to do anything more than that. No. Yes, you think that his, you think in you're, you're literally just so ignorant. It's like frustrating. No, I'm not. I'm and not. I'm not even, even going to argue with you with about this. But I'm just going to go talking. back to a point you made. If you could just shut up. Um, so you, you talked about you know how are the Jazz so close and kind of like Pete said you know they have an actual system that they run like that even more points to our point that this team no be, it doesn't because yes Russ it is does a yes it does up, because they right? have no coach dude. Russ is a—he's just a black hole. He was not going to play yeah, an Russ emotion style hole. offense. Sure. He needs the ball in his hand all the time. Right. Yeah, he cares right. about his statistics. That's why he's in the game at the end of the fourth quarter while they're already up fifteen or sixteen or whatever they're up. And Russ and, and Steph and KD are on the bench laughing at him while he's hunting for his last assist for a triple double. That's Russell Westbrook in a nutshell. He's well, still on the, the court game, when the, the game's game, in they, were, they, they were laughing when they were losing, right? So wait, wait, wait. I actually, let me come in yeah. here as a voice of reason real quick because the, the Duff versus Frank is real right now. It's very real and I love it. But let me be the voice of reason for a moment because I actually agree with both of you. Both of you have very good points because on one hand, Duff is 1,000% right that Russell Westbrook is the problem here. It starts, it starts and ends with him. It is his team. He is the reigning MVP. He is Mr. Triple-Double. 
the problems start and end with Russell Westbrook. So no matter how you skin it, everybody came into this season looking at the Thunder and saying, Melo and Paul George have to figure out how to, how to mesh into this, into this team, but Russ is still the guy. Everybody agrees with that, right? Is that fair to say? Yeah. So now it becomes, you take Billy Donovan out of it, it now becomes, since it's Russell's team, clearly, it becomes his job to make sure that his team is ready, his team is you know, sharing the sugar, spreading the wealth, everybody is in a position to succeed. But when he is off the ball, he doesn't move. Like Zach Lowe brought this up as well, and I hate to just rip off Zach Lowe, but my man knows what he's talking about, and I'm going to trust him on this one. He says he, he often will see off a timeout, right? Like Billy Donovan will drop a play. Russ won't have the ball. He'll move off the ball on a screen, easy cut. He's a fantastic slasher bucket but he doesn't just do that naturally he doesn't just create off-ball opportunities for himself naturally like when you watch the Warriors and it's so easy to pick them because their offense is ridiculous but you watch Steph just give up the ball and then run all around the court to get that to get the ball back at the top of the key and make a move or get the open shot or get the easy layup that's something you don't see with the Thunder and I'm honestly I, I mostly see it from uh, Paul George and I and last year you look at Victor Oladipo he was able to do that pretty well and Russ was able to play off that but now Russ has to be able to give the ball to Melo or Paul George or even Raymond Felton if he's in there with him and then move off the ball and come get it back and make a play on a, on a backdoor cut like that's what you need to see Russ get these easy buckets that get the whole team going that's what doesn't exist with Russell Westbrook that's because the system doesn't draw anything up for him. But like yo, that, it's not about the like, system. Yo, it's the same thing with. It is with, about system, on, though. On, if if his if the play is for you know four guys to be on one side plays, of the court and Frank. one guy to sit in the corner, like it is because that's what they do with Andre Roberson half the time. Even he, even that's he, not slashes. a system. Like he's just supposed to go off the cuff. Like I Frank, get it. I get what you're saying. His whole game yeah, is Billy Donovan. Go at the basket. Frank, Billy Donovan had a dominant college coaching career and an extremely successful motion offense, setting up athletes and it's shooters all around the court. The most successful college football career of all time was a terrible NFL coach. It's two different games. I don't want to hear that shit. No, I agree with that, Frank, because the college game is that the shit. college but, game. But, but don't talk about different. like he can't put in a system. He but had a he system. Hasn't, like, I'm not offense. saying he can't. I'm saying he hasn't. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying he can't. I'm uh, saying yeah, he, he hasn't has because it. I guarantee you, Russ would. N- he can't do that. He can't sure. play the same offense that like the Spurs, the Thunder, the Celtics, even the Cavs when they're really pumping. Like he can't play that style of offense. He can't do it because he needs the ball in his hands. And if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's fucking worth. Watch it. him play for Team USA because he looks. Yeah, he's oh, playing well. against fucking. Albanian. Okay, but he, but he looks more like that kind of player you're trying to say, and it doesn't matter what kind of competition you're playing against. That's uh, just a way of playing. That's the same crap we said about Melo for years, though, Frank. Just needs that's the proper same, coaching. That's the same crap we said about Melo for years. So I don't know exactly. if I can take that Dude, point. But like, I don't understand what is like the disconnect between Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony. I think they're more similar than you think. I'm just gonna say this: next time you watch the Thunder, I, uh, hopefully they play pretty soon. When Russ gives up the ball. You're going to see him with his hands on his knees at the wing or in the corner waiting for something to happen or just waiting to get the, goal, the ball back so he can do something with the ball. And that has to be frustrating for a team. Like, he needs to be one of the guys when he's not being Russell Westbrook. Like, he needs to be able to make the little plays and not just – and you said he can't just go off the cuff. Literally, his entire game is off the cuff. He, I guarantee game. you the That's majority of out-of-timeout plays that – 
Billy Donovan may draw up, he does not run them ever. No, nah, I disagree with that. I think he only runs them off, the, off timeouts. I bet you he. I bet you at least half the time he still doesn't run those plays and he just does some crazy shit. It's possible. And like half the time it'll work out because he's a freak athlete. Don't get me wrong, but it. Like I'm not saying he's a bad basketball player by any means. He's just not like a trans. Also, also, real quick, real. just to just to debunk your Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony thing. The difference between Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony is that Russell Westbrook got past several rounds of the playoffs and actually has been to a finals and is still only, what, 26, 27 years old? So that's the Yeah, but he had Kevin Durant. That one has won as a young man. Maybe he didn't win it all, but he still has won. Yeah, because he had two other Hall of Famers on his team. Okay. Listen, I don't think it's fair. That was Kevin Durant's team. That was not Russell Westbrook's team, just to be clear. Bab's been quiet. Bab's been quiet. Pete was... Pete was being the voice of reason, saying Dove was 100-something-something, but I think Dove's 100% wrong to call him a black hole. I don't think he's a black hole. I know you said that a little bit ago, but and and kind of a stat chaser. I don't think he's that. I think he wants to win when he's out there. And I think – I just don't think he knows how to do it like you guys are saying. Like he he does need the ball in his hand. He's a ball-dominant player, and he's good at that, but – I, I, I mean, I, I, you can you can see how bad he wants to win. You can see his passion when he's out on the court for the game. But the Absolutely. only way he knows how to do it is to be a black hole and be a stat chaser and just like, how can I impose my will on this game? And that's just not what's gonna what's gonna bring you to the next level. That's just not gonna happen. So uh, I, yeah, and I, I do. I see where you're coming from with that. But I just to call him a black hole and a stat chaser, I, I don't think that's fair. I think he's a good player, and he's still like Frank was saying, brought up his age. You know, he's still. He might not even be in his prime, you know. We don't know, but uh, I, I don't think what you were saying is fair. That's the only thing I had there. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I'm I'm just gonna say this. I'm not trying to like, you know, call anybody out here, but like, you sound like someone who watches the occasional game. You don't sound like someone who's watching Russell Westbrook on a night in night out basis. Like, no, I don't watch the Oklahoma City opinion, Thunder so. every single night. But I've been watching him saying, play for years, and he doesn't look any different. Night, but you don't. Even, you probably don't even watch fifty percent of their games. He literally looks the, like the exact same player he does now that he did five, six years ago. I don't think that's any. He, he's true. just like it's just not true. Like he's yeah. he's doing the same things. He's just better at them now. I that's think it. I he think, hasn't um, developed. He, he hasn't developed himself as a basketball player. He's just wrong. gotten better that's at just the wrong. same. He doesn't play. Differently at all. Well, okay. I think I think Duff called Russell Westbrook black hole. I think we've hit a black hole on this on this topic, man. But that's some good stuff. I mean, we got to see some real life Duff versus Frank right there. We've been waiting for that for a couple episodes. Uh, <laughs> the one thing I'm going to leave. Yeah, this, that's the first time this podcast was, has actually experienced Duff. Versus that Frank. was the boil over right there. <laughs> that that was we we've been hinting at it for a little while because we both mentioned how we kind of just suppress shit for a while and then it all comes to the top. That was that was it. Well, uh, I can't wait for some feedback on that one from you guys. This is the NBA Outsiders, Pete, Bab, Frank, and Duff in the house. We just went in on the Oklahoma City Thunder. The last thing I need to say, though, and then we're done. We're done with the Thunder, but this is the last thing. If you are a guy who looks at something like point differential and you look at the Western Conference, you can see a team like the Minnesota Timberwolves and the New Orleans Pelicans, who both have 12 and 11 wins respectively. That is three or four more wins than the Oklahoma City Thunder. They are both negative point differentials, and the Utah Jazz, who are 9-11, have like just above positive, so they're like a, a plus .9. The Oklahoma State Thunder, despite their 8-11 record, have a plus 3.9 differential per game, which means that 
you know, even despite they lost by 15 to the Mavericks the other night, but they beat Thunder by 15 the other night. That's why I'm not worried about this team yet. They still are able to put up crooked numbers against teams. Um, they just need to work the kinks out. I think they're going to be fine. They're going to be in the playoffs, obviously. We got to revisit this in a couple weeks. We definitely got to revisit this in a couple weeks. Um, but let's keep this thing moving. I think we're going to cut the LeBron talk. Basically, what we're going to say about the Cavs is LeBron uh, never left. He may have just took a couple days off in the beginning of the season, even though he was still putting up numbers. My man's is outrageous. Uh, they're on a nine-game win streak. The Cavs are back, right? Yeah, I was. Uh, I just want to go on record as I was the don't panic guy. You all were panicking when we brought that one up earlier because y'all were like, their defense is so bad. I was but. panicking in the sense that if you look to the future, like the playoffs, late in the playoffs, and even the championship, that's when it was going to be a serious problem. Yeah, but the way they look right now, they're kind of looking like they're clicking without without a good point guard. So, without a yeah, point guard, it, it could be scary. Well, well, LeBron James without is their a good point player guard. at the position of point guard, because we all know LeBron's a good point guard. So, right. yeah. raise that. If, if they keep this rate of play up, it could be scary when uh, if Isaiah Thomas comes back and starts to like mesh, you know, gel immediately, they could be really good. And I think Frank's right. I think I was a uh, panic guy, and he was the only don't panic guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, just want to say this real quick. I'm pretty sure Kevin Love had 30 points in the first uh, one, one and a half quarters no, no, today. Just, so. just the first. I think, quarter. Yeah, he had 38 tonight. Uh, yeah, he had 30 of those in the first two quarters at least. So. I, I, I believe it was 30 in the first quarter, and then he ended the first half with 32. <laughs> but he had a oh sick my. first quarter. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, what so wait. I? The last thing I'm going to say, and then we got one more thing to talk about, and it's going to be a fun one to talk about. But this is the last thing. It's on LeBron James. So I saw this on First Things First. It's on FS1. It's a show with Chris Carter, Nick Wright. Um, pretty, uh, it's a pretty new show, but I'm enjoying it so far. So I saw this graphic. I made sure I screenshotted it, posted it on our Twitter, which is at NBA underscore Outsiders. Don't forget to follow that. But... It put up Le- LeBron James' numbers for this season. Points per game, field goal percentage, three-point field goal percentage, and assists per game. And then it paralleled four other numbers from, it says, past MVP seasons, right? And it had, LeBron had a, a .3 advantage of points per game. He had a .3 advantage of field goal percentage. He had a, three, a full three-point advantage in three-point yeah. percentage and a full assists per game advantage in assists. And what that was, it took four different seasons from four different MVPs and put it up against just LeBron's season right now. So you take one of Kobe's MVP seasons. Actually, he only had one, I believe, right? So Kobe in his MVP season averaged 28.3 points. LeBron's 28.6. In one of Shaq's MVP seasons, he shot 57%. LeBron's at 57%. In Kevin Durant's MVP season, from three, he shot 39%. LeBron is shooting 42% right now from three. And shout out Derrick Rose. We talked about him earlier. In his MVP season, he averaged 7.7 assists. LeBron's averaging 8.5 assists. Drop the mic. Damn. Dude, he has to be. He's the MVP candidate every year. Every year, yep. But this year. Especially. Yeah, he's playing. I mean. He's looking dangerous this year. It usually with LeBron, it's like, yeah, we see his impact, but other guys have way better numbers, like in terms of scoring and assists, because like he doesn't, he is the epitome. He's the opposite of Russell Westbrook in that case. Like 
He'll never chase any stat. I definitely will agree with you. The guy chased stats sometimes. That's besides the point. But LeBron will never chase a stat, and this year he's still putting up crazy numbers. So He's just doing it all for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and it's been pretty yeah. crazy to watch, especially on this little nine-game win streak where they've just been dominant. Any last words on the Cavs? Because then we got to move on to our last topic. Um, No. Good. Move. All right, move on. NBA Outsiders, Bab, Frank, Pete, and Duff in the house. Talking ball, as usual. The last topic is about a ball. And that's Lonzo. Nice little segue. Lonzo Ball <laughs> has been struggling from the field, huh? He can't shoot threes. He doesn't even attempt mid-rangers. His floater game is weak. He can't get to the rim. He finishes one alley-oop and then the internet blows up. But then the internet blows up every time he shoots an air ball. So it's been a pretty weird start for Lonzo Ball. But I'm going to read a quote that we shared in our Instagram group chat. And I'm basically going to read it for Bab because I know Bab never even checks our Instagram group chat. Nah, I've been I've been checking it lately, dude. I've been on my grind. <laughs> proud I of you, I can't though. figure out the notifications still, but I, I, I've been checking it. I'm proud I've of you. I've seen this. All right, well, well, here's the quote. So this is from Steph Curry, a guy who uh, is widely considered a top five player in the league. Let's remember that. He said, quote, he's a rookie. He's going through the ups and downs like every rookie has. It's all a learning experience, trying to find your way and be comfortable. Basically, my perception is he's working through that. I've always said he's a great talent. I think he loves to play basketball, so he'll be able to fight through that and have a great career. I hope you guys didn't judge me off my first 20 games in the league either. End quote. And I think the last part is the most important because let's think back about one Steph Curry. And I'm not here trying to give you a hot take that Lonzo Ball is going to be Steph Curry. I'm not doing that, obviously. But Steph Curry didn't even get a huge contract after his first four years of rookie deal came up because he was injury prone. He wasn't looked at as a, a superstar talent. Hell, some of the Warrior fans wanted to trade him and keep Monte Ellis. Can you believe that? Uh, you should because it's true. So... Are we are we all in agreement here that we need to tread lightly on Lonzo? He's gonna be okay. He has the talent, and it'll come around. Or do you guys fall somewhere else? I've been saying that since the beginning. Like I really think he's gonna suck this year, and that's okay. It's not. You weren't gonna compete for a playoff spot. You don't have your draft pick. It's just about player development this year. That's all it is. You're basically a G League team. Like just worry about getting your players better, and it's specifically Lonzo, and just. Keep him out there, keep feeding him minutes, and just let him make mistakes because he's only going to learn from them. And he just seems like, as crazy as his family is, especially his dad, he seems like a mild mannered kid, never too high, never too low, just trying to do what's right for the team. And I, I, he's going to be fine. Like, just everyone needs to just like stop, stop talking about this kid for like a week and just let him figure some shit out. Yo, totally agree with you right there. I like that. I was just gonna say, like, he's 20 years old, and it's like literally he is whether he has a good game and he has a triple double or he has a bad game and he's 0 of 11 with three points, like, everybody is talking about him. And, like, and he knows that, like, all eyes are on him right now. And that's just gotta, that's gotta be something tough to adapt to as a rookie in the NBA. So, uh, I, I think we'll be fine. It's just it's it's got to be a tough adjustment right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. Um, there's a reason, you know, he was so highly touted. I mean, I, I truly believe the hype. I do think he's going to be one of the better players when he finally figures it out. I'm not worried about the shooting struggles. I'm not worried about his shooting from the even from the field struggles. 
Um, you know, I see clips on Twitter and Instagram where he's in practice and he's lighting it up. He's hitting everything. So I, I feel he has the ability to do everything he needs to be able to do in the NBA. It's just a matter of piecing it together, like like everybody else has said. You know, it's not an easy thing to do. It is the the top level of competition in the world in basketball. You know, so. I appreciate you guys because a lot of times we go through this podcast and we very we very rarely disagree just to disagree. But occasionally, if you know we all have a similar take, we'll play devil's advocate or maybe we'll ramp up our slightly contrarian take. But when it comes down to time to being real and just just being honest about something like that is it. And and this is the one thing here. Maybe we shouldn't have done this all the way at the end after an hour and ten minutes already of this podcast, but. This is something that I think everybody needs to adapt because it's outrageous. You know, you can be scrolling through Instagram and you can see a video from the same account sometimes that'll say, like, oh, Lord, like, Lonzo just airballed the three with a couple laughing emojis. And then the same account will post, Lonzo Ball, youngest guy to ever get a triple-double in the league. Like, he's amazing. And I'm just like, what? Like, where do you got? What are you guys doing? Like, let the kid, let the kid breathe a little bit. I mean, it is outrageous. And I'll say this. I'll let someone else take the floor after that. If he's really struggling and he's been playing so bad and what he's shooting uh, like 21% from three, he's, he's 24% from three, he's 31% from the field, and he averages right now nine points, seven rebounds, and seven assists. If he's playing that bad and is putting up nine, seven, and seven, I think I'm okay with what he's going to be in a couple of years. I think he's going to get that field goal percentage up a couple ticks. I think he's going to get the three ball in a few times more per game. I ain't worried at all. But like Duff said, this year is going to be a dang struggle from now till the end. He'll have good games here. He'll have a lot, ba- a lot of bad games in between. It's just going to, we're going to look back in five years and just laugh that we were so concerned about Lonzo Ball's career over the first 20 games of his rookie season. And when you say we, you don't mean us, like us four NBA outsiders. I mean the you royal mean, we. Yeah, yeah, word. We were, we would laugh at those stupid people who were called like calling <laughs> we would laugh at the pet cut. Yeah. In <laughs> five years, if your point guard is averaging seventeen, nine, and seven, you know you're you're pretty happy. Hell, even if he's For averaging sure. fifteen, like eight and eight, fifteen, nine and nine, whatever he's going to, yeah. he can be a guy Bro, who averages there. ten assists. Like he can be only a fifteen pointer game scorer and wildly impact his team. So, I'm 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 fine with this dude right now. Dude, in three years, he once Ingram figures it out, like he's going to be averaging fifteen points, fifteen assists, six rebounds. He's going to have Ingram, Kuzma, LeBron, Paul George, <laughs> maybe John Wall. I, it's going to be crazy. DeMarcus Everyone's Cousins, going to the Lakers. Mello. He's going to have the easiest point guard career of his life. Steph Curry, yeah, battle joint. Forgot about you. Forgot about the whole banana boat crew. Yeah, no, nah, we can't get the whole banana boat crew. Dwayne Wade's going to be in an old person's home by then. <laughs> Dude, he already is, but he does anything for LeBron. I was about to say Dwayne Wade, would be, or he'll be uh, riding Gabriel Union's coattails, but I think he might be already. Yeah. Did you guys did you guys see the video of LeBron trying to throw him a backdoor oop and no. he just fell? <laughs> yes, he just jump. fell on his face. That so so, so we, we all want to get on Derrick Rose for, you know, him not being the same, but where's this for Derek? Uh, where's this for Dwayne Wade, bro? I think we just feel bad because Dwayne Wade's actually just old right now. Like he can't. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like his he he might be like thirty four, thirty five, however the hell old he is. 
but his knees are like a good 20 years older than the rest of his body. It was the same thing with Kevin Garnett. It was like he was playing, he was like 33, but his knees were like 53. Right. Because he been playing NBA like balls since he was 85. Like my, you guys see Dirk running up and down the court nowadays? <laughs> oh, dude, he looks like he's, he's made of steel beams. He literally cannot stop. Like, he's in perpetual motion. No lateral <laughs> movement whatsoever. He literally can't stop. I think if he stopped, he would just fall over. <laughs> Yo, it's like, imagine, my, my dad's been an iron worker for like, what, like 35, 40 years or something like that, and he has like two torn meniscus. That would be like me playing a game of horse and doing a reverse layup like with a clap on the backboard and him not being able to do it and me being like, ha ha. Fucking narp. That's what I'm saying. Well, this, this has been the NBA Outsiders. It's been a lot of fun. We got through a lot of stuff. We even talked about non-NBA, and I promise that won't happen ever again. Um, well, maybe Not while I'm around. <laughs> unless it's college basketball. <laughs> or no. the Eagles won the Super Bowl. That uh, too. Free Bud Light? Free Bud Light, baby. Wait, I actually just want to share. I mean, we're at 116 already. What's another minute? I want to share this with you guys because it really hurt my feelings. And uh, it's NBA-related. So I went to the Knicks game yesterday. That was demoralizing enough because they lost to the Trailblazers, never really made it close. Um, and Joe Kim Noah got minutes. So that wasn't really too exciting of a Knicks game. But besides the <laughs> point, I put in a little parlay, a little four-team parlay, NBA gambling. A little, little, little fun, nothing crazy. So what I had the beat? Cavs, easy money domination had the paces over the magics easy money and then my next game was the spurs and i bought a couple points you know you can do in gambling and i had them at minus eight minus eight points greg popovich gets ejected i'm like yes i'm in there this team's about to be fired up they're gonna dominate and what do they do in the second half they play great they're up 10 points with 10 seconds left 10 points with 10 seconds left i'm like yes i'm in there i'm about to hedge my last bet because I got the Clippers beating the Lakers. I'm about to just be careful and hedge it just in case. Do it. I'm on the train. All of a sudden, I look at my phone, and it's 115 to 108. I'm like, what just, what just happened? They were, up, they were up 10, like literally 10 seconds left. Dennis Smith Jr. decided to chuck a three up for no damn reason, knowing <laughs> he can't come back and win the game. He knew it didn't matter. He knew it. And he hit it yeah. down by 10, made them lose by only seven. Spurs didn't cover. I lost my bet. He had money That's on back it. Door. You got beat. Vegas knows always. Yeah, That's dude. a bad beat, dude. That, that is bad. That's terrible, actually. It's actually really funny. That backdoor <laughs> cover. <laughs> three, on the random three-pointer, I counted for literally nothing. Oh, that's terrible. And the original the original spread was 9.5. Like I said, I bought it down. The furthest you can buy it down is 7.5. So it wouldn't even matter if I bought all the points. It wouldn't have mattered. He stuck a knife right in my heart, man. Damn. I know. That's I'm tough. sorry. Freaking sad, dude. That's funny, though. <laughs> That's funny. We went like sad that. for the whole podcast, so I figured I'd end on a sad note, too. <laughs> this was the sad episode. <laughs> the NBA Outsiders sad episode. Well, anybody, anybody got any last words before we uh, say goodbye? Chris Dapsporzing is still a GOAT, fam. LeBron, I don't want you still. <laughs> <laughs> LeBron, LeBron to Philly, 2018. Uh, Bab, Let's get it going. Bab, Bab, you got to say something. Uh, team Duff. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck you, Frank. Also, uh, shout out Mark. Balls. He said he's Team Duff as well. I'm sorry, Frank. I'm uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't she... care. How oh. about that? Nah. Well, Done. Shout, out, shout out Seppi, also Team Duff. Damn. Well, we we got to get some people on Team Duff here. We don't know that. Also, nah, it's I cool. I like Pete. Pete, I like the lone wolf look. All right. Good on me. 
No doubt. No doubt. Well, even though you're a lone wolf, we're all NBA outsiders. And this has been the NBA Outsiders Podcast. So hopefully you guys enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget, please don't forget, to click subscribe, hit the little rating, drop five stars in there, and tell us what you think about the NBA Outsiders. Tell us if you're Team team Duff or Team Frank. That'll be really fun. Tell Maybe you're Team Bab or Team Pete. That's possible, too. But just more importantly, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the NBA Outsiders Podcast. We love coming out here, talking ball with you guys. Thank you for coming in every week and listening to this fine program. Hopefully you enjoyed and keep enjoying ball until you hear us next week. Thank you and have a good day.